The clock is ticking, tick tock. What's the time, Mr. Clark? Little Hans says it's time to rock and roll. Bring the noise. This is Gary. Gary Hoffman. This is Gary, and he's very, very famous on Twitter. Shannon Farron. <laughs> it's terrible! She has beautiful eyes, and her hair smells like cinnamon! Mm-hmm. Gary and Shannon. I wouldn't be anywhere else at this hour, except on TV. They were feeling like gold, Gary and Shannon, KFI AM 640, more stimulating talk. It is Twitter Tuesday. Do you know what that means? That means you follow us at Gary and Shannon on Twitter. We follow you right back. We retweet your tweets all day long, like Mark Saltzman's tweet. He took a, a, a picture of his fa, and the green onions in his fa are in the shape of hearts. And Mark Saltzman wrote, my fa soup loves me. We retweeted that thing. That just goes to show you. Fuck what- you. Wow, that stopped you? Well, you was a little aggressive. Well, Those were your first words spoken to me today. I've been spending the last four minutes cleaning food off of the table here. Like dried. What did Handel have this morning? I'm not saying it was him. What do you mean you're not saying it was him? <laughs> it clearly was him. Did you notice? Uh, hey, let's look in the uh, wastebasket. Let's yeah. see what we had. Uh, I oh, bet my money's on the Lunchables. No. No? Uh-oh. Cups of coffee. Oh, that's right, because he's off the Diet Coke, huh? There is a baggie in there, but I'm not going to go. A baggie of what? Uh, it's empty. It's like a Ziploc bag of some mm. kind. Or a, I'm sorry. I don't mean to use the trademark name. A resealable snack bag. But I don't know what was in there. Um, okay. The, how about I have a question for you. And actually, we're going to talk about this a little bit later uh, this hour. But I want to know what you have ever done. Have you ever... Lent a friend or a family mom- member money. Ever. Like any, just gotten into a financial transaction with a family member and it went south. I have a philosophy about loaning people money. Yes. And my philosophy don't. is this if you want to loan people money, fine, but don't expect to ever get it back. It's right. a gift. If you're going to give someone money, especially family, because it will drive you crazy. I've seen people, family members, my family members get weird over money. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, extended family members and, and extended family. And, and it, it just for, for what? You know, it really is only money. But you've got you've got to go into it knowing that you're not going to get it back if, if you're loaning money to a family. Yeah, uh, we're, we'll talk about this new um, new way for people to afford their first homes. It's actually crowdfunding, so I guess you could say there's probably fewer strings attached. But I know there are horror stories out there of people who co-sign for a loan for their brother or they give their kids money and expect to get paid back or they gave their sister this or whatever it was. I'd love to hear those stories because I think that that's uh, there, there's a huge untapped well of just hell stories out there. Um, also, Christina Garcia, the assemblywoman, currently on leave. Gave a lengthy interview. Oh, this was the woman 
who was leading the charge of the Me Too movement in Sacramento. And then it turns out that she had a sea of groping allegations following her around with tales of drinking in the office, spin the bottle, unwanted sexual advances. Hey, 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 just just because just because I have a couple of beers in the office does not mean that I am a drunk. It just means that I have a couple of beers in the office. Yeah, when she was put on the hot seat about the allegation of her being an alcoholic, she sounded quite alcoholic-y if you were to write, in her response. If you were to write a sitcom and say, okay, this character is alcoholic, we're going to ask the question, do you have a keg in your office? We want that alcoholic cast member to be the one who answers the question. It the, Her... Her answer perfectly fits that script. And I don't mean to get on a high horse, but not only is it odd that she has a keg in her office, we don't even have a keg in our office. <laughs> and I mean, if you think if anybody did, but it would we be us. got to start with a story that I find just fascinating. We're just talking to handle about this, about the people who run cults, the people who are attracted to these cults, and they really do... They really do not discriminate, do they? This particular cult, Nexium, began in 1998 with an executive success program. This was the name of the business that Keith Rainier founded in 1998, executive success programs. At the time, there was a huge fad going on in this country with executive coaching. Uh, this was going to be a multi, multi-billion dollar market. What it did was it would go after firms, individuals for a fee to help them become better executives, improve productivity, navigate office politics. These people were charging from 25 grand to a hundred grand for a half dozen sessions over a year, year and a half. And they would teach executives how to become more productive, how to change negative behaviors, how to figure out what drives them. It was very popular Forbes did a breakdown of this in 2003, and it outlined five different guys who are running these executive coaching firms. Uh, And making bank at it. Oh, just money hand over fist. Uh, David Allen, for example, was was charging $10,000 for two in-person meetings and two follow-up calls for 10 grand. It's not a bad deal. Marshall Goldsmith would charge you $100,000 for an 18-month assignment, that'd be about seventeen thousand dollars, or that, or seventeen thousand dollars a day if you wanted to become visit your executives, maybe uh, put some FaceTime in in the office and talk to people about uh, doing better at work. Keith Rainier, the 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 leader of Executive Success Programs, had about four thousand people who have signed up, who had signed up in two thousand three for his coaching, his executive coaching. Big names, too. Uh, Sheila Sheila Johnson, who was founder of BET. Antonia Novello, former U.S. Surgeon General. There was the acting CEO of Enron, Stephen Cooper. Seagram Fortunes, Edgar Bronfman. Two of his daughters, uh, the daughter of the Mexican president at the time. A lot of of big-name people. Well. Being big name doesn't obviously mean that you have any sort of mental acuity to you because executive success, these motivational groups were all over the place. They still are. I mean, there's still plenty that you can find. But just to give you an idea of what it would be like, 
you pay up to, say, $10,000 for five days of lectures. Now, that I can understand. A lot of people go through uh, different programs, uh, training of different kinds, and five days of training for ten grand. That doesn't that doesn't sound out of the uh, the realm of possibility. It's when you get into the intense emotional probing in a thirteen hour session that you start kind of crinkling your nose and saying, "Would I really sit through that?" Executive success programs. Keith Rainier's baby became Nexium. Nexium became the self-help organization that promised to introduce a new ethical understanding. Ayn Randian self-determination. Well, federal prosecutors now say that this guy used his position of power, his success in this executive coaching world, to lock women into bizarre master-slave relationships. They finally caught up with him in a luxury-gated community near Puerto Vallarta. That is the weirdest aspect of all of this. We'll explain why this guy thinks he's a genius, what he's being accused of, and where he was branding his women. All coming up on the Gary and Shannon Show. Plus, your chance to win $1,000. Brought to you by Cunning Dental. Bleeding gums. You got a toothache? Maybe a cult member has set up shop in your mouth? Call Cunning Dental for a free exam. 888-640-SMILE. Keep listening. We'll tell you how to win. Gary and Shannon, KFI AM 640. Gary and Shannon, before we get back to our uh, cult leader, uh, I got to tell you what this guy says he was able to do when he was a kid, but we have a chance for you to win $1,000 right now. Here's how you're going to do it. Your shot at $1,000 now. Text the keyword WIN to 200-200. You'll get a text confirming entry plus iHeartRadio info. Standard data and messaging rates apply. That's WIN to 200-200. When Jake and Little Rock won, they called him on the phone, and he picked up that phone despite the fact it was from a number he didn't understand or didn't even realize was a winning number, and boom, they gave him $1,000. Your next chance to win coming up an hour from now. Keith Raineri is scheduled to appear in court today on federal sex trafficking charges. He ran this cult where he was branding women, and uh, it was all based on one of those faddish executive coaching businesses in the late 90s that he has spun into Nexium. Pyramids. Self-help organization. Multi-level marketing. (coughs) They say this guy has maintained a rotating group of 15 to 20 women with whom he maintains sexual relationships. This is what the criminal complaint says. It's these, nice to be the king. These women are not permitted to have sexual relationships with anyone but Rainieri or to discuss other relationships with him. Now, how did he have such self-love to, to get a harem? Great To, to get a following. This is a guy, this is going to blow your mind. This is going to blow your mind. When he was one year old, mm. he was speaking in full sentences. Did you know that? Did you know that he taught himself high school math in 19 hours when he was 12? And by the age of 13, had learned three years of college math in several computer languages. As a boy, he read an Isaac Asimov sci-fi novel about a brilliant scientist who knew his galaxy was in irredeemable decline. And he'd reduced all human behavior to elegant mathematical equations. And you know what he did? He did that exact same thing. Most cults are found out about when people start reporting their loved ones missing. 
Hey, you know, my sister Barbara, she moved upstate with some guy with long hair. She said it was some sort of betterment program. Well, we haven't seen her in three years. Well, that started happening with Nexium. And last year, last October, and we detailed it on this show, too. I remember when this New York Times story came out. The New York Times published an investigation on Nexium based on the testimony of defectors. It included reporting on the branding ceremonies, which we'll get to. According to documents filed with the court this week, shortly after the New York Times went public with that, the government began interviewing witnesses and victims. The month after that, this guy took off to Mexico. He's been a fugitive since, since this week when they finally caught up with him. But when the New York Times article came out, the Fed started interviewing people, eight alleged victims. And boy, did they talk. Boy, did they sing about what was going on at Nexium. <clears throat> it seems like some of the biggest problems with Nexium started a couple years ago when a secret society was developed within Nexium. It was known as the DOS. And members of the DOS were pulled from Nexium followers who were struggling to rise within the larger organization's framework. One could say maybe the most vulnerable women sure. out of Nexium's true believers. This was a women's only society, and they were recruited by existing DOS members. Prospective members were told they'd need to provide collateral as a sign of their devotion. So collateral meant naked pictures. Uh, videos of prospective members telling damning stories about themselves uh, or close friends or family members. The DOS operated as a pyramid with levels of slaves headed by masters. Slaves are expected to recruit slaves of their own, thus becoming masters themselves, who in turn owe services not only to their own masters, but also to masters over them in the DOS pyramid. Yeah, and this these services were things like uh, bringing them coffee, buying them groceries, making them lunch, carrying their luggage, cleaning their house, retrieving lost items for them. There were also some physical demands that were alleged, including ice-cold showers, getting up at 4 a.m. to do nothing but stand for 60 minutes, performing physically excruciating planks. You know what? I'd like you to get into a plank for the next three minutes. Three? Yeah. I can do three. Do it. I'll put you on the clock right now. Seriously? Yeah, you can be the slave and I'll be the master. Wait a minute. <laughs> that just got on weird. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Just do it. Three minutes. Three Let's minutes. just treat you like a Nexium girl. On that floor? Yeah, you're going to do it right there? Yeah, do it. Well, I'm not gonna Come think on. Think of all the food handles dropped in that corner. Oh, oh stop it. it. Food <laughs> schmood. You can do it. All right, ready? Go. All right, I got you on the clock. Okay. You just stand in the plank like a Nexium girl. All right. Oh, my God. The DOS member... turn my microphone off. Okay, well, right. don't swear. Right. It's on. Hot. DOS members engaged in sex with Rainieri out of fear of having their collateral exposed. So the girls would have to have sex with him, do whatever he said, or he would expose their naked pictures, the damning stories about themselves. He would expose damning stories about their family members. This was a problem. Now, Rainieri liked to call this group, this harem, a sorority. That the sorority of DOS is not part of Nexium. 
Are you okay? It smells like cheese. Oh, here. my. Ew. It smells like cheese for real? Like lunch- Whoa, I just spilled again. Look at that. Like lunch- Lunchables cheese? Like an old Gouda. The, the Nexium curriculum, listen to this. They had five-day workshops that would promise personal and professional development up to $5,000. And achievement within the system of Nexium was identified by color, uh, colored sashes worn by followers, like black belt, yellow belt, green belt kind of thing. And the curriculum taught that the women had inherent weaknesses, including over-emotional natures and an inability to keep promises and embracing the role of victim. They had to sign NDAs, promise not to reveal certain things about Nexium's teachings. Hmm. Well, that all stops now because this is all going to be unraveled in court. And hopefully, I mean, I haven't seen a number with how many girls. Are you okay? okay. okay. You're almost two well, minutes get your, down. Get your almost butt down there. Down, get your butt down there. Suck in your stomach. There you go. Oh, my God. Um, <laughs> I haven't seen a, about a number of, of girls that have bought into this. I mean, the only number that I see is from that Forbes profile in 2003 that said by 1998 about 4,000 people had bought into this guy's executive success program i don't know how many girls are in nexium how many people he was able to rope in and keep in but we do know when he was tracked down in puerto vallarta at that village that as he was taken from the the villa excuse me the women who were there who he was passing around for sex chased after authorities in their own car at a high speed they were chasing after the federal authorities because they were so upset that they had captured their leader. All right. More Th- coming up next. 30 oh, seconds, Gary. Oh, 30, 30 seconds. seconds. All right. Th- you can do it. Yeah. Uh, all right. Forever. Twitter Tuesday. Welcome to Fitness Tuesday. <laughs> it's Planking Tuesday. So Gary does the three-minute plank on his elbows. Yeah. I did it on my hands. I think the elbows is harder. It I think harder. the hands is harder. Yeah, Monica agrees with me that no, doing I it on think... your elbows is harder. Yeah. I, I believe the hands are harder. Okay, see, now this is... <laughs> no, well, Shannon, you try it. Let's see. <laughs> well, I just did one on my hands. hands I think it would be... Elbows would be harder because when you think of a uh, like push-ups, it's the same idea. The higher your feet are in relation to your shoulders, the the more difficult it is. So if you're on your elbows, your shoulder, your feet, and your shoulders are more equal. Yeah, so if any fitness experts out there want to solve that issue for us, is a plank more difficult on your elbows or on your fully extended arms? Well, like I can tell you that that push-up. was make that has made me very sore. Right. Yeah, and I don't know th- if I could go for three minutes. Three minutes is a yeah. long time. It was touch and go there. You started with, somebody please tell me a story. It's going to be a long time. <laughs> I know. I had to get Blake in here to start talking to me about, I don't even know. It involved a zoo and a baby. He was recounting a Matt Damon Arboretum, movie. Yeah, pretty yeah. the same thing. Okay. <clears throat> uh, all right. So at the top of next hour, we're going to get into this uh, Christina Garcia story, the assemblywoman who is on currently on leave while they investigate whether or not she's all hands. And uh, she gave an interview to a radio station up in San Francisco. And we're going to play parts of it for you because she, well, I don't think she makes a whole strong case for herself. But uh, she has some interesting insights into her favorite swear words, uh, among other things. So there is a uh, there's a new trend out there towards asking your friends to help you own your first home. 
A mortgage lender, CMG Financial, just launched Home Fund Me. This is the first online platform that allows borrowers to crowdfund the down payment on a home purchase without fees and without the backing of mortgage giants Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. Didn't we get into a whole mortgage mess when people couldn't afford enough of a down payment back yeah. before, you know, the whole mortgage meltdown? Right. Getting into homes they couldn't afford, uh, realizing that eventually those payments were going to catch up to them. And, uh, yeah. So now what we're doing is we're asking people to make up for our own mistakes because we can't save money. And to get into the issue or to get into a home earlier than probably we should afford. I don't know. I don't know where to go with this because this is. It seems like it's a clear cut. It, this is uh, voluntary socialism, is the way I would describe this. Almost. Well, it's hard to get the twenty percent down payment that is recommended these days. So maybe if you get a little help with the down payment, it doesn't necessarily mean you can't uh, afford your monthly mortgage payment. But do they? So they pay back, right? Well. They don't have to because right now the way it stands, you can actually get help from family members, from an employer, from a a nonprofit group, from a church, that sort of thing, if to help with your down payment. But you have to have extensive paperwork associated with that because whatever lender is going to give you the money wants to make sure you're not just adding more debt. Like you can't put a down payment on your credit card, for example. Uh, for a house. So they want to make sure you're not just adding to the debt. What this is doing is uh, is offering you the ability to gather money from all of these people with with the expectation that you won't be paying it back because it would be 50 bucks from this friend, 100 bucks from that friend, maybe 500 bucks from the rich guy that you know, that sort of thing. So if you get all of them together, all small donations that add up to 10 grand or 20 grand or whatever you need for a down payment, then the expectation that you pay it back is a little bit uh, a little bit less likely. So I suppose that's the way to do this, but would you do this if you saw a friend of yours post something on social media that said, "Hey, Bob and I want to get into our first home, but we live in Southern California where it's ridiculously expensive. Maybe you could help us out." Would you would you do it? Uh, it depends on who uh, she and Bob are. Well, and the I mean, are they is- struggling? Did Bob lose his job recently? Do they have four kids? Is somebody sick? I mean, you know, and again, I, I'm I'm happy to help people. That it's like, not just for a house. It's not like we need shelter. Will you help right. us out with fifty bucks? So we want to buy a house. We want to buy a house. Mm-hmm. And I think those are two very different things. Like if it was you and your wife right now, I would not help you. No. I mean, I would if no, you, you came wouldn't. to me and asked me, but if I saw you like posting it online, I know that you're gainfully employed, that your wife could work wherever she wants to work, right. that your kids are clothed, and I'd be like, get it together and spend your own money, Hoff. But if it was a family that Pull was struggling, I mean, I don't see this being the way for a whole generation to go. But I kind of think this is th- this is so appealing. It's to like people. socialism, isn't it? Well, yeah, that's bit. what I mean. It's voluntary. It's asking people to be socialists on your behalf. Mm-hmm. I think that my kids would look at this and say, hey, that's a great idea. Because if I'm crowdsourcing from 100 of my closest friends just 50 bucks a piece, hey, I got five grand right now. 
Yeah, but what makes your kids deserving of strangers' money over anybody else? I don't think there is. The, I don't think that they, they look feel at that it they that. deserve. I see. They just see it as the, they still everyone see helping. The, yeah, they see the internet as a vast treasure trove yeah. of untapped cash. Interesting. Because every time we do stories about somebody getting sick or somebody's in an accident or somebody loses a family member or something like that, and then we go, "Wow, they've already raised seventy five thousand dollars." And the, I think that people, if you're anywhere below the age of 30, you look at that and you go, hey, that's an idea. Maybe I could do that without having gone through anything horrible to justify you actually getting money from strangers. Hmm. But I raised a question. I would love to hear stories about people who have given money to friends, uh, maybe not through Home Fund Me or GoFundMe or crowdsourcing or anything like that, but gotten involved financially with friends or family members and it went bad and or did it go good i bet those are fewer yeah that, that's probably true maybe you uh, you you loan your buddy five bucks and he buys a lottery ticket and he ends up giving you a million and a half dollars out of the winnings or something like yeah that. that happens but let us know on facebook social media at gary and shannon email whatever it is we'd love to hear your stories about helping somebody out whether it's a friend or family member financially and then you're the one getting caught get stuck holding the bag it is twitter tuesday so follow us at gary and shannon we follow you back and retweet you all day long all right coming up next some some people hoping to get hits on social media are pretending to be bosses of some big chains around southern california and they're disrupting a hell of a lot of business we'll tell you all about it when we come back gary and shannon will continue but my taste in music is your face takes a song to come around to show you how maybe we should do one three minute plank an hour no what do you mean no no i've sweated enough today i think i'm good i'm done like i'm out thank you though appreciate it gary and shannon Matching three-minute planks earlier in the hour. So. Well, you were in your elbows. I was on my hands. Okay. Oh, I'm... you did the full three minutes, too? Yeah. Oh, on her hands. It's tough. On her hands. It was tough. They're both tough. Eh. Uh, we... I'm proud of you both. Thank you. Uh, a little bit later in the uh, in the show, we're going to be uh, we're trying to hook up with Aaron Katursky to talk about these packages that showed up to different government buildings in Washington, D.C. They have made an arrest uh, almost as far away as you can get from D.C. and still be in the United States. Uh, in Seattle. So we'll talk about that arrest and what sort of connection, what was going on with that later on in the show. In-N-Out Burger is going to court against an online prankster. This was a guy who walked into two In-N-Outs in the Valley posing as the company's CEO. He allegedly loudly argued with employees and in one instance took a hamburger from a customer, threw it to the ground, and stepped on it, claiming it was garbage. Did I ever tell you about... Yeah. I have a question. Yeah, go ahead. We know that that guy was a plant, right? The guy that he took the hamburger from. Because if you walked into the in and out that I go to and you took a hamburger away from somebody, you wouldn't live. No, you'd get shot at your in and out, I think. There's enough transient traffic in there. And I mean that not like homeless people. I mean, like, there's people who go up and down I-5 mm-hmm. uh, who are who are humping drugs back and forth across the border up to Northern California. And they stop at that in and out. Sprinkle me. With knowledge, yes. Right. They'll drop you. 
You took a hamburger off the guy and then he stomped on the ground and called it garbage? That guy's a plant. It's got to be. Yeah, it would be hard not to get your ass kicked if you walked into an In-N-Out and took a hamburger from, I would argue, nine out of ten people. Cody Roeder is this guy's name. And In-N-Out has filed a lawsuit against him seeking a restraining order to keep him out of all of their restaurants. He has also done similar stunts at Taco Bell and Ralph's supermarket chain. Not going to tell you the name of his YouTube channel because that's exactly what he would want. But he would walk in. uh, He walked into the one in Van Nuys, to the In-N-Out in Van Nuys, and shows up in a suit and tie, claims to be the ex-husband of In-N-Out's CEO, Lindsey Snyder Ellingson, and claims he's now the acting CEO, and he's here for a surprise visit. He demands that they make him a cheeseburger and french fries for a taste test. And somebody goes, who do you are? Who you are again? What's what's going on? So he takes off. And then the next day, he shows up at the In-N-Out in Burbank, making the same claim about being the CEO, demanding at the main register to speak to the manager regarding the contamination of the food. Then acting confused that employees had not received an email from him warning them of an urgent health issue. What I love is, according to the lawsuit, he didn't incite a reaction from employees. Kudos to the people at In-N-Out for having cool heads. Well, they're great. The people who work at In-N-Out, great. It's a great place to work, too. Good benefits and all that, isn't it? Um, But that's when he approached that customer, picked up the burger, began pulling the patty apart in the middle of the restaurant, claiming that it was contaminated. I would slap someone right in the throat if they took my In-N-Out burger. Same. Same. (laughs) I would fight someone. Because, Because it's not just about the burger. It's about... The Respect. idea you have in your head, you know, at 10.56 in the morning on a Tuesday of, oh, In-N-Out Burger sounds good. And then you, you physically go to the In-N-Out and you wait in the drive through or you go in and you wait and you smell the smells and you get excited and it's anticipation. It's like kids before they go to Wally World and you're stoked and then it's your turn at the counter and you get your In-N-Out Burger and you get your fries and you get your milkshake and it's just magic in your hands. And then some jackass walks in, picks up your burger and throws it on the floor after all of that. Yeah. That's Screw why i pretty sure the guy had to be a plant. Had to be. Slap him right in the throat. <laughs> I hope they get this. I hope this guy uh, ends up deleting every YouTube video he's ever done. I hate those stupid prank things like that. Yeah. The lesson that. here is don't mess with Shannon's lunch. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> uh, all right, we'll come back and begin this uh, dissection of Christina Garcia, the assemblywoman, in this interview that she did. She's the one accused of groping staffers and throwing wild parties. We'll talk all about that when we come back to Gary and Shannon. I'm at an all-time Gary Shannon. That was the it was just the interview. I'm just priming the pump there, Blake. Don't worry. Priming the pump. Stop I'm doing about, that with your I'm hands. A, I'm about to sprinkle some knowledge here. We have a chance at you winning $1,000 coming up in a few minutes. We'll tell you how we're going to do that. Also, 1230 every day we jump into Swamp Watch. Swamp Watch, that is, to talk about what's going on in Washington, D.C. and a lot. I don't – did you see the 
op-ed piece from the former Supreme Court Chief Justice about repealing the Second Amendment? I did. Uh, A Supreme Court justice that when he went to the bench was a registered Republican. Yeah. But that was a different time. It was a different time. Uh, Still shocking. It's it's quite shocking. By the time he left the bench, he was one of the more liberal justices. Yeah. Uh, Anyway, we'll talk about that. It's coming up in Swamp Watch. Also, uh, Tasty Tuesday today with Neil Saavedra. Uh, World Whiskey Day. Oh, and and also a Hall of Famer joining the show. Neil? No. Neil. No, 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 no. Well, he could. That was my nickname in prison. He could be in some sort of Hall of Fame. I'm sure he Hall of Fame? What would you just say? Hmm? Anyway, that's all coming up on the Gary and Shannon show. You remember Monica, uh, uh, sorry, you remember <laughs> Christina Garcia, do you not? Yes, sir. Christina the groper. Garcia, the assemblywoman who was accused of many, many things in terms of uh, inappropriate conduct. Not before she led the Me Too charge yeah. at the Sacramento Capitol there. Right. Uh, I believe she was on the Women's for Women panel. I'm making up the name of that, but it was all about... <laughs> Getting rid of Me Too allegations in, in the Capitol, and she was one of the forefront people on it. And then it comes out that, oh, she doesn't operate so nicely in her downtime there at the Capitol. Well, she is currently on leave while they investigate all of this, and she expresses in an interview with a radio station up in San Francisco a little bit of dismay that this is taking longer than she had expected. In fact, she said it's putting kind of a crimp in her style when it comes to fundraising because she is up for um, uh, for a reelection in the June primary. So she's got to she's got to get out there. Right. And she's not doing that, assuming that she's going to stay in the background, let nature take its course, let this investigation run its course before she gets back out there, but realizes that the clock is ticking. So. So uh, the assemblywoman was asked a bunch of good questions by uh, one of the reporters for KQED up in San Francisco. And specifically, things like, is alcohol a problem in your office? Is there an issue uh, with you having a keg in your office? I think that's a similar saying, do I have beer in my fridge? And so am I an alcoholic? Yes, I have beer in my fridge. Yes, at some point I've had a keg in my office. A lot of us do. Mm. It's part of the culture of socializing up there, the way business gets done. I think we could have a discussion about that and discuss whether or not that's appropriate. <laughs> but because you have alcohol or you're in the possession of alcohol, doesn't make you an alcoholic. I think that's a really gross generalization. Okay. Spe- uh, su- <laughs> sweetie pie. Uh, having a keg in your office does not uh, a socialization situation make that's that's like uh you know the stuff that goes on at a at, radio station <laughs> we don't have a keg in our office no but but what i don't understand is why once you get elected to the state legislature your common sense leaves your body you're doing the work of the people the fact that you think it's okay to put a keg in your office is so wrong for a number of reasons because it's 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 thumbing your nose at all of your constituents right. that put you there to do work, not get drunk. And, then she- and you're not and putting a keg in your office also conveys a feeling of I don't take this crap seriously. Right. I mean the the most egregious thing we have in our office is the ping pong table, which hasn't been used for ping pong in I would say six months. Nine months. Right. Something like that. We haven't used it probably in a couple years. Well, you haven't. You don't we like used to it. use it all the time when the show was two hours. 
and that was like five minutes. Right. And we would get off from the show and we would play ping pong all throughout John and Ken. And they would come in and get pissed off at us. And say it's like, don't you have real work to do in here? You're drinking Miller Lights again. What's going on? But we're not elected by no, the people. No, we're not. We're not doing the work of if the we people that she is doing. If we were elected by the people, we would get rid of the beer fridge and the ping pong table, I would assume. Because we would want people to know that we take it seriously. What about the issue that she was accused of having staff members play spin the bottle? Did you ever encourage anyone to, to play such a game? I've never encouraged anyone to play spin the bottle. And I've actually never played spin the bottle myself. Okay. She sounds like she gets loud and fun when she has a couple of Miller lights. <laughs> two, two things there. And this goes back to our discussion about Anderson Cooper and CNN interviewing uh, adult feature performers and strippers as some sort of actual news story. Isn't there a point where the reporter asking this question slaps his own forehead and says, I can't believe I'm saying these words. Did you ever encourage anyone to, to play such a game? No, I, I think this is a much more important interview than the Stormy Daniels Anderson Cooper mess. This is a sitting legislator who was groping young aides bottoms while on the job while leading the Me Too movement in Sacramento. This is actually legit. Like she had no she was talking out of both sides of her mouth, grabbing ass after dark and in the daylight saying, oh, me too. I here's the mantle that I hold. Uh, she was asked if she's ever used the word, pardon my French here, faggot, or the word homo. Did you ever use that to describe the speaker, the word homo? I can't remember, but I wouldn't be surprised if I used that word. Okay. I'm going to play that again just to make sure we understand what she said. Have you ever used the words uh, and the guy says them and then he repeats the word homo? I can't remember, but I wouldn't be surprised if I used that word. Okay. I can't remember, but I wouldn't be surprised if I used that word. That is a that is an admission that you're using those words in a casual conversation yes. to describe somebody that you're working yeah. with. Mm-hmm. But it wouldn't be a surprise based on what she said later in the interview about what her favorite words are. Oh, the- this is real class, guys. This is this is who we're electing to represent California, represent us in the Capitol in Sacramento. This is oh, I, I, I will be clear. There's nothing, there's no one in politics who doesn't talk about some of the peers we work with and we use candid language. Okay, she's talking again about the words homo and faggot and whether or not she uses them. Uh, and so along the way, I've used candid language. Uh, I curse. I mean, I've been vocal about some of my favorite words and I don't know if I can see them on the radio. Uh, are okay, and f***. And I, you know, I think car, if pull, I would see... Yes. I don't know if I can say these on the radio, but my favorite words are S and F. Yeah. <laughs> Some of my favorite words, and I don't know if I can say them on the radio, uh, are shit and f- Okay. Uh, and I, you know, I think stop. if I would. Stop, 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 stop. Number one, you're a, an electorate, elected legislator, a sitting senator, and you're bragging that your favorite words are S and F. Yeah. Furthermore, you're not only bragging about that. You're bragging on the radio about that, okay? And C, you don't know if S and F can be said on the radio? What are you, 17? No, th- that's even better. I don't know if I can say them on the radio, and then she says but them. I'm going to say them on the radio. Uh, FCC be damned. You can sit on the $500,000 fine on your own. What? I mean, she's doubling down on her buffoonery. Yes. Yes. Now, hold on. Later in the interview... 
She has a couple of things to tell you. She knows what she's guilty of. Tell you what she's guilty of. She admits it. And second, what it is that she has been working on while in the state legislature. What an embarrassment. What an embarrassment. We also have an opportunity for you to win $1,000 coming up. Brought to you by Cunning Dental. You got a state legislator in your mouth? Yeah, no crap. Call Cunning Dental for a free exam. Triple eight six. Talk about smile. a dirty mouth. She's she should take up residence at Cunning Dental. That mouth of hers. Wow. I don't think he cleans potty mouths. I think that's a different. Eight 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 six forty smile. Gary and Shannon will continue in just a moment. Very appropriate song. We got $1,000 just sitting here with your name on it. Your shot at $1,000 now. Text the keyword money to 200-200. You'll get a text confirming entry plus iHeartRadio info. Standard data and messaging rates apply. That's money to 200-200. And if you are the winner, they will give you a call, but... You got to answer that call to win the thousand dollars. Might be from a number you don't recognize. If you don't, your next chance to win comes up an hour from now. In fact, you have a chance to win a thousand dollars an hour from five in the morning with Jonesy and wake up call all the way through the Conway show through seven p.m. Monday through Friday, right here on KFI. Well, one of the biggest embarrassments to the state of California this week is Christina Garcia, who did an interview with KQED about all the groping allegations that surround her in Sacramento. Where we left off, she had just told us that her favorite words are S and F. And I don't know if I can see them on the radio. Uh, I shit and f***. Mm, like, that's, nice. that's... Who who workshopped that with her before she went on the air to do the first interview about the groping allegations? Who said, hey, you know what? It would, would play out well with Californians if you bragged about the fact that your two favorite words are S and F. You know, what's funny is the reference uh, Leo Brionis is her spokesman and the reporter. So he's in the room while this whole thing is going on. And at the end of the interview, the reporter actually asks, hey, is there anything else you want to talk about? It's a common mm-hmm. reporter question. And he turns to the spokesman and says, what about you, Leo? Is there anything else, any issue you want us to discuss before we uh, wrap up the interview? And Leo's like, nope. You don't you sure you don't want us to go back and you want to clean that up? Yeah, you want to. Yeah, Leo should be fired. So should she. <laughs> but I can imagine that in the middle of the interview, she drops an F bomb and an S bomb and like, those are my two favorite words. It wasn't even. And Leo just goes, oh, well, my here's the thing. God. It wasn't even an accident. No, it's not like she was in the middle of a thought where she felt passionate about it. She wanted to get that in there. She thought that that would be a feather in her cap. Well, she also there was one later on where she dropped an S bomb. She was talking about the conditions in her district where uh, where some jobs had been going away because of the potential uh, uh, for environmental cleanup. There are a lot of what she called brown fields in her district where there have been uh, chemical contaminations or hard, hard uh, what's the word, heavy metal contaminations. And there are people who are losing their jobs because these areas are being cleaned up and taking away from them uh, specific opportunities for employment. And what I'm saying is like, I should have to pick between my health and my job why can't I have some good green jobs like the rest of the communities out there? Why do I have to settle for shit? She just dropped that one in there as well. This is 10 minutes after the original, I, I love the F and the S. I don't get it. I mean, I think embarrassment. Well, no, I wouldn't say that's too, that's necessarily. Uh, 
I think that's probably a, a good description. Anyway, again, she's on leave she's right now. She's an elected leader of California. She's on leave right now while they are investigating. She has kegs in her office. She has spin the ball a, a bottle parties with young aides in her office. Goes on national radio to say that her two favorite words are F and S. I think embarrassment is an understatement. Now, she did say, as we might expect, and as we You're a seen, lawmaker. You're not a freaking... Football coach. As we've seen in other circumstances like this, the best way to fight back against these allegations is to blame someone else. And she says she is guilty of something. I'm guilty of having a big mouth, being outspoken, and speaking truth. Okay. I'll play the whole cut for you. It's about 17 seconds in just a second. But she says she's guilty of having a big mouth and being outspoken. So that's not at all what these allegations are. These allegations are you get a couple of pops into the assemblywoman and she is all hands on deck. I'm saying the word carefully. And she texts things and she says things that she shouldn't. And maybe she has a couple of keg stands in her past. And maybe she likes to show pictures of parts. I'm guilty of having a big mouth, being outspoken and speaking truth. And that has pissed up a lot of people and it's about power. And maybe I'm finally starting to get things done and that power structure is being disturbed and they're going to do everything they can to make sure things stay, stay the way they are. You know what also and communities me like off? mine don't get their piece of the pie. No, you you get this? Also, she's saying the only reason these allegations even came up is because I am actually making a difference. These allegations did not come up from people across the aisle. These were not Republican trumped-up charges against the assemblywoman. These are her staff members. Young men who don't want their asses grabbed by a drunken boss. That's who spoke up. You know the other thing that pisses me off about this interview is she sounds like she's smiling through the whole thing. Oh, absolutely. Like she does not take it seriously, like she's pissed off that she has to do it and that, oh, this will all go away and ha, 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 and I take everything lightly and my favorite words are S and F. Like that's not who I want to represent me in Sacramento. I would like somebody who takes it very seriously, who actually cares about the people and not about doing keg stands she, in room 1190. She said 1190. Remember that? Yes, I do. God, the um, cavernous waste of days. She uh, she lamented the fact that she's been sort of sidelined by this whole investigative process because she hasn't been at work. She hasn't been doing the work of her constituents while she's been under investigation um, and has said, you know, I'm thankful that some of my other members, some of the other assembly members have picked up bills that I was encouraging, that I was uh, supporting, uh, but says that she dil- she does still have some work that she's doing. Some of the bills I was going to introduce, thankfully, got picked up by other members, but there's issues that are still out there that no one's talking about. For example, I've been working on stealthing. You know what that is? Stealthing. We'll come back. I want to go through this. We'll just do this quickly when we come back. Think about that. She's been working on a bill on stealthing. Gary and Shannon will continue. Okay, so I know swatting and I know ghosting. And the stealth thing has to do with some sort of sex thing. Gary and Shannon, we're talking about Assemblywoman Christina Garcia uh, denying her groping and harassment allegations. Uh, She is currently sitting at home doing nothing while the investigation is going on. But she uh, gave a lengthy interview 
to a radio station up in uh, San Francisco to talk about the allegations and said that she is still working on things. Some of the bills I was going to introduce, thankfully, got picked up by other members, but there's issues that are still out there that no one's talking about. For example, I've been working on stealthing. All right, quick gas go around. Here we go. Uh, we need to know what is the definition of stealthing. Stealthing. Blake, Aloysius Doan, stealthing. I, I think I know what it is, but I'm going to seem like a really bad dude Yep. with my guess if I'm wrong. Is it... I, it's a, I know what you're saying, and I I feel the same way. All right, but keep we, it clean. Keep we it know clean. that you do not stealthing. Yeah, I have a personal knowledge. If I remember, I think it's the <laughs> removal of protection without yes. the other Look person. Look at that! Knowing. Right off the bat, congratulations, yeah, Blake. <laughs> Thank you. There is a dark part of you. No, Your parents no, no, should no. be ashamed. No. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 no. We put a disclaimer <laughs> just on it. Things. Wait a minute. He has no personal knowledge of this. He has heard it on the program. I just know things, man. <laughs> he well, works then, with you guys. Yeah, yeah. Then we apologize. Uh, Pam and John, that's uh, our fault. That's Blake, not his fault. what is a hot rail? What is a hot rail? I, I don't remember how to do it, but it's the meth and the stuff and the... Excellent definition. <laughs> that's meth and the stuff. Uh, continuing our gas go around. Uh, producer Nick, have you ever stealthed anybody? Oh, come I'm just on. kidding. I'm just kidding. Stop the music. We're not going to do it anymore. What? Let me let me continue with uh, Christina Garcia. Uh, a, a crime, trying to make a crime to remove a condom without permission. No one's working on that. Uh, I've been working on... You're talking about a condom during the inter, intercourse. intercourse, yes. Yeah, okay. So they had That's to get the one of the major issues facing her community. Who does she represent? 38th District. All right. I believe it's the 38th. Yeah. Okay, let's see. Um so stealthing is top of her uh, list in terms of legislative must-haves. Making Artesia, Bellflower, Cerritos, Hawaiian Gardens, La Mirada. You know, my father-in-law lives in, in La Mirada. Uh-huh. Funny, when he talks about issues facing get- the community, he doesn't bring up stealthing. I don't think that this is a top of mind for a lot of people who live in Pico Rivera, Norwalk, Santa Fe Springs, Whittier. I mean, let me know. Let me know, uh, Gary and Shannon uh, on Twitter, if stealthing is one of the major concerns of the 38th Congressional District in California. Because I, I don't think it breaks into the top 20. I don't think it does either. Uh, she she says in other parts of the interview that her big concerns are pollution, jobs. This, what a and piece then, of work. Of course, stealthing. So congratulations, Blake. You've answered all the questions that we need to. That's depressing. You've depressed me. Sorry. With this Christina Garcia interview. Well, I'm just saying. This I is... didn't realize it was that bad in her head. Listen, and and again, this is no, it's just locker room talk in it's, her head. This is God. clearly this is clearly an indictment of the system that we have lived under for so long. Did you by any chance watch any of that debate last night? Mm-mm. There was a debate. Uh, Republic. I'm sorry. Uh, candidates for governor. Gavin Newsom was absent because he was at a fundraiser. But Antonio Villaraigosa, John Cox, Travis Allen, John Chung, and Delaney Easton all stood up on that stage. Where was this? And, uh, it was at USC. It was on okay. Channel 4, but it was at USC. And they all decried the current state of life in California for Stealthing. different reasons. Stealthing? Stealthing did not make, the, did not. Did not make okay. the list. They all decried how horrible it's become to live in California because our housing prices are too high. We have no affordable housing. Our the homeless salmon, problem is out of problem. The pro- salmon. No salmon. No the salmon stealthing issues. and the salmon. The, we don't have enough water reservoirs to keep fresh water available to, for everybody. We don't have uh, we don't have high speed rail, or we do have high speed rail, depending on which side of the political aisle you're on. 
the taxes are too high or the taxes are too low. Our roads are impassable. Our immigrants are, are feeling d- uh, depressed and down and targeted. I mean, all of these problems, right? With so many problems. But we continue to vote the same damn people into the state legislature every two years. Christina Garcia is one of the examples of we have people whose priorities are completely out of whack with the people that they represent, but we continue to put them in Sacramento. Why? Why do we continue to do the same thing and expect to get any sort of different results? It doesn't make any sense. I'd rather do a three-minute plank again. You want to do a three-minute plank? We do have a lot more energy since we did the three-minute plank. I think we should start off every show at doing a three-minute plank sometime in the 10 o'clock hour. Or we could do it right before the show starts. Your abs. You would be summer ready. Yeah, just think about your trip you've got coming up. You're going to bathing suit areas. I would love to hear Wait, hold on, hold on. You need to rephrase that. I'm going to a bathing suit area? You're going to a place (laughs) where you're going to be wearing your bathing suit. A pool, maybe? Yes, but going to a bathing suit area makes it sound like you something might... my gym teacher would have told me when I was in the seventh grade. You're the one who calls them bathing suit areas. You're where I learned that that yeah, and jargon. I learned, and I learned it from Mr. Johnson, seventh grade, because he said, don't let anybody touch your bathing suit area. Not uh-huh. because he taught me. Never mind. Well, That's... those are two very different things. Right, exactly. <laughs> There's a lot to unpack there, isn't there? Yeah. I learn so much about you guys every day. Coming up next, Orange County Sheriff's Department does not like the new California sanctuary law. They're fighting back. We'll tell you how they're doing that when we return. Gary and Shannon will continue. On this uh, Tuesday, it's March 27th, last spring training games today, and uh, baseball season starts on Thursday. Are you excited? Can you smell the the fresh grass, the the Dodger dogs? I can't smell the Dodger dogs, but I can smell the fresh because the concessions taste too long. (laughs) If you know, it really bothers me. It's my pet peeve. And Dodger Stadium's gotten so much better over the years uh, about this, but. The concessions take so long sometimes. By the time you get your hands on that Dodger dog. Quick concession question it's cold. for you guys. Yeah, go ahead. I think it's the Rangers put out a new product. Mm-hmm. It's a corn dog. Mm-hmm. And the dog inside, it goes corn stuff. Then corn it goes, breading. Like, yeah, there it okay. is. Got it. Pickle. Mm-hmm. And then hot dog in the pickle. Yes, I'd get into it that. sounded yeah. quite good to me. Absolutely. Sure. All right, a little I was, mustard on that? Oh, they yeah. had in the picture Spicy mustard? mustard on it. All oh, right. that I'm sounds sure amazing. I'm not crazy. The other thing I've noticed uh, before it's we get into... It's worth a trip to Texas. Before we get into uh, Sanctuary City stuff, uh, the other thing I've noticed is now that the most of the games had taken place in actual Major League Parks, like they're out and about back in their stadiums and outside of Florida and Arizona, is the netting that is up around the stadiums yeah. now is much more... Yep. Aggressive than it was. I, I didn't notice it at Dodger Stadium last night, specifically how far it goes and how high it goes. But uh, I was also watching the Giants-A's game in San Francisco, and that netting goes forever. Higher than Dennis Eckersley's socks. It's Twitter Tuesday. 
You know who just followed us? Uh, Angry Uber. Sarah Huckabee. Angry Uber guy. That'll be fun. We'll follow him back. <laughs> um, this actually came up in that uh, uh, gubernatorial debate last night, the story about sanctuary states and what it what it means in terms of whether the state of California is at war with the Trump administration when it comes to immigration. And the Orange County Sheriff's Department, the the leadership in the Orange County Sheriff's Department has vocally opposed the sanctuary law that limits our cooperation, that limits law enforcement cooperation with federal immigration officials. So what they have decided is that the Sheriff's Department is going to provide public information on when inmates are released from custody. As of yesterday, an existing Who's in Jail online database includes the date and time of inmates' release. Agency officials there say this will make the communication work better between law enforcement. It makes perfect sense. And their way around the way the law was written is by making sure that they give the release date information to all inmates or on all the inmates, not just ones that might be the subject of an immigration detainer. Right. Or that they know are in the country illegally. This will apply to all inmates being released from the Orange County jails. The new state law called the California Values Act. Yeah. (laughs) Has seen a backlash from uh, communities in Orange County. Uh, The city council in Los Alamitos voted last week on an ordinance to exempt the city from that state law. Few other cities in Orange County considering resolutions and other moves to voice their opposition to the law. Gosh, Orange County just seems to be one of those places right now that could be ripe for people picking up and finally moving out of California. Just getting tired of it. Getting tired of all of it. Plus, it's a place that for a very long time was so uh, was a Republican stronghold. Exactly. That it is the tide has been turning. And now California is forcing itself on on these cities in Orange County, whether it's the homeless being released into tent cities and Irvine, Laguna Niguel and Huntington Beach. Or this uh, this California Values Act, I, and I'm what we're seeing now is not just the state in the form of Javier Becerra, the Attorney General, filing a lawsuit against the federal government. We're seeing local governments like Los Alamitos, potentially Orange County, Yorba Linda, Buena Park, Huntington Beach, talking about suing the state. I mean, all of this being brought up in court. Because nobody can pull their heads out of their butts and figure this thing out. I mentioned that debate last night for these uh, people who were running for governor. They were conflating the issues of what makes California and the United States, therefore, great. It's the fact that we come from everywhere. We all do. I mean, we're all, we all have immigration in our backgrounds. I know very few people who can say that their families lived in California for more than 100 years. Very few. And... There was a, a, a conflation of the issue of illegal immigration versus normal legal immigration. And the difference between the two is lost on so many people. They want to argue that you hate brown people or you don't like people who are different than you or you want to keep your neighborhood a specific color, a specific way of life without talking about there are specific rules and laws that you and I didn't write. It's not like I'm the one who came up with this plan. 250 years ago 
It's that we have a specific set of laws that govern how it is people become citizens of this country. Did anybody stand out to you in the debate last night? Did anyone uh, make sense to you? Did anyone crap the the floor? um, I kind of thought Travis Allen crapped the floor. Really? I... He was very well put together. I mean, but I think he was out. He's he's playing above his um, his talent there. Not that he's not a great state legislator. I don't know enough about him in his time in Sacramento to say. I, I thought he was playing above his not level. Ready. Yeah. yeah, he's not ready for that. Uh, John how, Cox did well. Did he? But there are some things about physically in the the actual debate portion of it where he's saying his answer to whatever question. He's holding his glasses like this in his hand. He's got his glasses like like Chris Little. I never saw him wear his glasses. He just had them in his hand, which was a which was a strange thing. Then you have John Chung over on the left side, right hand side of the stage, appeared to be the smartest guy in the room, but has the personality of a peeled carrot. Hmm. Nothing to that guy. Um, Delane Easton answered every question like Ross Perot's angry mother, which, I mean, in terms of personality, she stood out because she had the most personality on stage. And then you had Antonio Viragosa. You know what you're going to get with that guy. Um, giant, giant ears. Viragosa? Humongous ears. Oh, I didn't remember that being a thing. I don't know if that's new, if he had that's some work new? done or what. Who makes but- their ears bigger? I don't know. Ears. Um, did he put together thoughts? Did he make sentences? Yeah, but there was enough of a bumbling quality to him that just reminded him of every new, reminded me of every news conference we've seen him give before. He does have large ears. Those are some sizable ears. But he took man. a dig right away. He took a dig at Gavin Newsom. Gavin Newsom did not there. show up because yeah. he wasn't there. But you have to. Uh, they did the thing where they introduce everybody and they ask the first question, Mr. Mayor, you get to go first. And he ignores it for the first 20 seconds and says, I just wanted to say uh, thank you, everybody, for coming and tuning in tonight. I really love this state. That's why I'm here. You know, he makes some comment and dig That's it. That's why Gavin. I'm here. That's why I'm here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. Coming up next, we do everything that we do at 12 o'clock every day, which means we talk about everything everyone's talking about. I love it. Everywhere. That's coming up next on the Gary and Shannon Show. Day. Follow us at Gary and Shannon. We'll follow you right back. How Retweet cool all cool. your musings throughout the day. Uh, bottom of this hour, we're going to get into Swamp Watch. The California Attorney General suing the administration, uh, Trump administration, over the question that's coming back to the census in a few years. The 2020 census will ask about citizenship again. So explain why that lawsuit uh, might have some legs all coming up. But hey. What else is going on? Time for What's Happening. L.A. police detectives are reportedly in Northern California investigating that disappearance of the 25-year-old we told you about yesterday, aspiring model and actress Adea Shabani. Northeast of Sacramento, they found a shallow grave and are investigating a um, number of law enforcement agencies, including... Uh, an agency from the anthropology department from Cal State Chico will be will be there. 
Yeah, they have to figure out if this is a gravesite, if um, if so, whether any remains found are related to the missing persons case from here. This was unusual in that yesterday we we're telling you that this model had disappeared back in February, last being seen, uh, last having been seen with luggage and her boyfriend. When cops caught up with her boyfriend, he shot and killed himself. So there are a lot of questions about whatever happened to Adia and they said that maybe her body was anywhere between Hollywood and Sacramento. This would be just north of Sacramento. You know where Beale Air Force Base is outside of Yuba City. It's just to the east of that as they get into the foothills in the Spenceville Wildlife Area. So that's uh, unfortunately looks like a bad end to that story. Michigan State official who oversaw a clinic that employed the bad gymnastics doctor Larry Nasser. Well, now he's been charged with sexually propositioning female medical students and compiling compiling nude student selfies on his work computer. Hmm. Isn't that interesting? William Strampel, who until December was the dean of the College of Osteopathic Medicine. Also charged with failing to enforce or monitor protocols set for NASA after a female patient complained of inappropriate sexual contact. So they had Nasser, who was molesting all these young gymnasts and girls and athletes, and then they had this guy overseeing him, who was also propositioning young girls and keeping a treasure trove of nude pictures of girls on his work computer. That's lovely. Fifty, They said approximately 50 photos of female genitalia, nude and semi-nude women, sex toys, pornography. Many of the photos are what appear to be selfies of female Michigan State students. Oh, Spartans. Kim Jong-un may be in China. There is a train that is currently, uh, I don't even know, what do you do with a train? You don't dock it. You park it? Sure. Okay. There's a train parked at the Beijing Railway Station, or, or it was a couple of days ago. And they believe that this train, because of its strange markings, may have been Air Force One for North Korea. Which Kim Jong-il, but... Kim Jong-un's father, used a train that looks just like the train that was parked in Beijing. Um, Dad outfitted this thing as a party train. Huge, boozy activities, karaoke. There was a Russian official who was with Dad, Kim Jong-un, I'm, excuse me, Kim Jong-il, on a trip about 15 years ago and said the train was patented with cases of Bordeaux, Beaujolais, from Paris, live lobster, pork barbecue. Mm. I'd get on that high-speed train. Seven, he used it, Kim Jong-il used it seven times during his visits to China, three times to Russia. In fact, he was on a train for a field guidance visit in December of 2011 when uh, he died from a heart attack. So they said that there was a uh, a mock up of one of the train's carriages displayed in the huge mausoleum outside pyongyang where kim il sung and kim jong il currently lie in state so basically the air force 1 for north korea even though it's a train and not an airplane but that's why they believe that kim jong un made his way to beijing for a meeting of some kind. mansfield ohio you ever been to Mansfield, Ohio. The nickname for Mansfield is the Fun Center of Ohio. <laughs> it's anchored was... by the Richland Carousel District. A lot of concerts. There's a Phoenix Brewing Company, the first brewer in Mansfield since Prohibition. 
Renaissance theater community. There's ballet that's popular in the area. But none of that Sounds lovely. was good enough for 54-year-old LaDonna Hewlett. No, she made a party all of her own. She was arrested over the weekend. She was at Carousel Park there in Mansfield when she wanted to have her picture taken with the Easter Bunny. She's 54 again. So she gets up there and sits on the bunny's lap, and it uh, looks like LaDonna had had a couple pops, all right? She'd spent some time in Christina Garcia's office up there in Sacramento, done a couple keg stands, uh-huh. and she started propositioning the bunny, making lewd no. comments to the bunny, asking the bunny to do things. She then uh, began riding the carousel there. Oh, I think you're going to say she started riding the and, bunny. Well, I don't know. Police said that she showed common signs of intoxication, mm-hmm. including slurred speech, and having been elected to the state legislature from the 38th district, bloodshot <laughs> eyes, an odor of alcohol on her breath, unsteadiness, and, and riding hand, an Easter bunny. And a handful of bunny bottom. And then finally, uh, trending locally is that LiAngelo Ball has declared for the 2018 NBA draft. Hey, just let me just pull over the car. Yeah, go ahead. Before we head down that, that lane. Yeah. Um, if you and I ever find ourselves in a park around Easter time <laughs> and there's a Easter bunny there. Yeah. And I say, oh, I want to go get my picture taken with the Easter bunny. Just say no. Like, what good is going to come out of that? Being 54 and getting your picture taken with the Easter Bunny. Well, I got to see something, say something in itself, minus the Chablis. You've right? got a couple of, yeah, you got a couple of years before you hit that time. No, I so think up until then, I no, think no, you're okay. no, no. I think it starts now. Okay. I mean, what age would you think is the cutoff date for getting your picture taken publicly with Easter Bunny? What's she wearing? Leangelo Ball declared for the NBA draft. Nobody is going. To put him on their team. Stay in your lane. Now, listen, I think mm-hmm. I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that Leangelo Ball will be drafted before me. Oh, that's good. That's a good, that's a strong. That's called a hot take. That, is a hot, that is a hot take. Leangelo Ball will be drafted before me. That was the mic. mic. Yeah, that was the mic drop. That's what we do. All right, coming up next, uh, Hall of Famer joins the show. It's our it's our old friend. We haven't talked to him in a while. Bill Handel? No. Oh. Um, it's a pro football Hall of Famer. Oh. I think we've only talked to one of those. I think we only do talk to one. And of them. only one calls us back. We're going to <laughs> barely. And we're going to be giving away a thousand dollars when we come back. Brought to you by Cunning Dental. What's going on in that mouth? I don't know. It could be anything. Maybe you got a bad Easter Bunny decision going on in that mouth. You want to give <laughs> Cunning Dental a call for that free exam, 888-640-SMILE. Keep listening. We'll tell you how you can win. Mm. Gary and Shannon will continue. chance to win a thousand dollars right now here's how you're going to do it your shot at one thousand dollars now 
Text the keyword BILLS to 200-200. You'll get a text confirming entry plus iHeartRadio info. Standard data and messaging rates apply. That's BILLS to 200-200. BILLS, 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 BILLS. If you win, like Angela in San Clemente not too long ago, you got to make sure you answer that phone. They'll call you from a number you might not recognize. But uh, you got to answer that phone if you're going to win the $1,000. Your chance to win another $1,000 is coming up next hour. In fact, you have a chance to win $1,000 an hour, once an hour, from 5 in the morning with Jonesy and Wake Up Call all the way through the first hour of the Conway Show, Monday through Friday, right here on KFI. We still have a hell of a lot of show to get to, including Swamp Watch coming up at the... Uh, at the bottom of the hour after Monica's news, it looks like the president's having a hard time rounding out his legal team to uh, defend itself against the Russian investigation. Also, Tasty Tuesday with Neil Saavedra. Easter, Passover, both upon us. And today is World Whiskey Day. How about them apples? I like that, uh, I like that Nick correctly spelled whiskey without the E. Whiskey without the E. Big day for the Los Angeles Rams yesterday, and it was all thanks, really, to an online push that our friend, NFL Hall of Famer and Rams great Eric Dickerson, launched on, on Twitter. He joins us now to talk about it. ED, how are you? What's up, Gary? Hey, Shannon, how you doing? You know, I have a bone to pick with you, Eric. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you, come on. You spent my entire childhood... Making things terrible for my 49ers. <laughs> now you're spending my entire adult life in this offseason making things more difficult for the 49ers after they went out and they got Jimmy G. And now they're going to have to face off against not just Aaron Donald, but Sue. Between the two of them, since Aaron Donald entered the NFL, they're first and second when it comes to tackles for loss. For their position. Hey, let me tell you something. I'm I'm very happy that we had a chance to get the dominant suit. I think he's a great addition to our football team. Uh, let's let's say this much, Shannon. I think that this is going to bring back our rivalry, our true rivalry, the Forty Nineers and the Rams. Not like when they were in St. Louis. Uh, you know, I gotta say, I, I still hate you, Niners. Hate the Niners. I love you. But can't stand the, stand the rest of them. But uh, you know what? Uh, I think I think I think the Rams are showing that they're serious about trying to have a, a, a good football team and, and make it to the Super Bowl. I mean, you you have to have pieces like this. You can't sit on your hands in the off season and just you know hope a guy comes around. You have to go out and get these players. And I've got to say that you know Les Snead and also Sean McVay has, has done a good job so far of you know going after guys. You know Marcus Peters. And at the league, I mean, you you have to go and, and make it happen, and, and that's what they're doing right now. When they lost in the in the playoffs, I mean, it was it was great that they had been able to do that, that they made it to the playoffs. A rookie coach, Jared Goff, did very well last season. Did you think the one piece that's missing is a guy right smack in the middle of that defensive line, like Indomitian Sue? Well, I mean, you always would like to have another guy to go with Aaron Donald. But you think it back to the old fifth and fourth days, and they had, you know, the modern. We got to get Eric a new phone. Can we get Can we get uh, Stan Kroenke on the line, Nick? I got to talk to him about getting their uh, ambassador a better phone. Man, that was that was that was a no good phone. That was like one of those old flip phones or something. Um, 
It's interesting that they would want to to beef up that line, though. You know, you're right. You think Aaron Donald, who, by the way, I think is still waiting for a deal, right? Uh, maybe. I don't know if that's been done yet. I'm not sure if that's been done. But uh, did you hear the name today that's that's floating around? Odell Beckham Jr.? Yes. I saw that as well. Although I was there week five when he sustained that injury there in New York. They're playing the Chargers. And I have never seen somebody. Of course, I never worked the sideline before. But I had never seen someone howl in pain and wince that. I mean, it looked almost career ending, that injury when it happened. So hopefully he he will bounce back great. But you just kind of don't know when guys get injured like that. And we're different. We are built different than guys like that. I mean, guys like that come back from injuries that you would think would cripple a normal human being. I mean, being. I don't know if he would have been able to do the three-minute planks we did earlier. <laughs> I think he would have I think he would have done fi- done fine. He could have probably done a three-minute plank with you sitting on him. But listen, Eric Dickerson, I mean, he was being all humble there about Stan Kroenke and Sean McVay luring a Sue over from Miami, but he really put together quite the social media push. To get this, and you're seeing this more this offseason than I remember. I've seen it with the Chargers. I've seen them going after them going after guys on Twitter and, and just that social media push. And yeah. and Eric really did a great job with that. Uh, you got your phone back there, right, Eric? Is that the one they yeah. gave you uh, when you uh, when you broke the record, or was that is that, uh... is that Jeff Fisher's <laughs> old phone? What's going on here? I just called Stan Clark and he just dropped one in my car. Oh, good. <laughs> so, okay. That's fantastic. Hey, I want to I ask you, though. Look, you can't talk about Indomitian Sue without talking about a quarter million dollars in fines that this guy has paid for some cheap shots that, that he's taken in games. Is that a concern going into a locker room, a guy who has a reputation like that? You know, I'm going to say this much here. You know, you hope that, that he didn't come with that, uh, you know, to the Rams. You have some guys, I just say it, some guys that they, they play dirty. I mean, that's just the way they play. Uh, he's a guy that plays with a lot of passion, sometimes too much passion. He gets kind of like, you know, gets caught up in it, you know, and, and it's just sometimes it's dirty. It really is. I don't think it's a concern because one thing I can say about this football team, they're a very close football team. You know, Aaron Donald kind of is the captain of that team. And with Aaron being there, I don't I don't think that would happen. I really don't. You, you may have some few instances where it may happen, but – I don't see him being that player. I don't see him being that player anymore. Is Aaron Donald's deal done? Thank you for saying that. No. And that's one of the most frustrating things to me as a, as a Los Angeles, former Los Angeles Ram, and also for our fans. This deal should have been done last year. You, you probably would have got a better deal last year. You're going to have to get it done sooner or later. Why not get it done now? Look, he's been the guy with the Rams since he got drafted. Uh, he's the best defensive lineman in football, maybe the best def- best defensive player you know, in the National Football League, you know, you need to get this deal done for sure. Um, I mean, he's no Joey Bosa or Melvin Ingram, but but he's good. I mean, he's all right. Um, <laughs> hey, uh, what was I going to ask you? Oh, uh, go ahead. Say what? I, I was just going to ask you what's going on with Odell Beckham Jr. Is that is that a real play that that the Rams are making for him? You know, when you Sean McVay says, you know, you know, everything is on the table. Uh, I, I, my opinion, just my opinion, is that you know I'm. Now, that one I don't know what fit fit with us. It, it may because, you know, I like Odell. I think Odell's a great talent. He really is. Sometimes he loves Odell a little too much, or, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and, and loves to do loves to do Odell, the Odell thing. And you have to understand, you know, you play football. You're a member of a team. It's different if you play tennis, if you run track, and you just, you know, you're a sprinter, and, you're, and you, every, you everything is solo. But when you play on a football team, 
you have to answer to other guys. You know, you want to make your football team better, not just yourself. So, you know, can he be that guy? I think maybe on this football team because I, I think he's such a great talent. But my, my, my main thing is we need to get Aaron Donald signed, and we might can have it for a year, maybe two years, max. But we're not going to have it for a long-term, not a long-term deal, no. Eric, it's always awesome to talk to you. Hopefully we'll see you at uh, Dodger Stadium once again one of these days. Hey, most definitely. I'll see you. Hey, Shannon, uh, get, get, get ready. Get ready. That's oh, right. I'm ready. ready. I'm Bring get it. Ready. Get, get ready. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to see Randy a lot in a couple of weeks. I'll tell him you said hello. Oh, sounds good. All right. <laughs> talk to you later. Okay, all right. Okay, bye. The Hall of Famer Eric Dickerson there. The latest, again, the news that uh, the Rams have signed and Dominican Sue to their defensive line, hopefully going up uh, with Aaron Donald in that defensive line, which would create havoc, havoc in the NFC West. Oh, I wouldn't say havoc. You know it would be havoc. I mean, have you Uh, seen that quick release on Jimmy G? I don't. I'm going to keep my mouth shut. All right. Coming up next, Swamp Watch. He is the most handsome quarterback in America. We will find our lane when we come back. Gary and Shannon. Drain the swamp. We're going to drain the swamp of Washington. We're going to have fun doing it. We're all doing it together. Swamp Watch. Gary and Shannon. Uh, Twitter Tuesday, so follow us on Twitter. Follow you back. How cool is that? The Coors Light King says, hey guys, love the show. Listening from Disneyland. Oh, where does he work at Disneyland? It doesn't say. Just I need to know. Disneyland. So, um, so let's go into this story about what's going on in Washington, D.C., specifically with, where do you want to start? Let's see. How about this one? Javier Becerra is filing a lawsuit against the Trump administration over the decision to include a question on citizenship in the 2020 census. Oh, this just in. Javier Becerra is planning on filing a lawsuit against the Trump administration for being called the Trump administration. Oh, I just found this one. Javier Becerra is filing a lawsuit against the Trump administration for everything. He says, we are prepared to do what we must to protect California from a deficient Census, including a citizenship question on the 2020 census that is not just a bad idea, it is illegal. The Commerce Secretary, Wilbur Ross, if you remember that guy, he's about four feet tall and 160 uh, years old. He, He announced his decision to reinstate the citizenship question in a post on the Commerce website despite the fact that Democrats have been opposed to this plan for a long long time. Is this politicizing the census? That's what they, yes, that's exactly what's going on, is they're politicizing the census. He, uh, Becerra and the Secretary of State, Alex Padilla, put an op-ed piece together arguing that the inclusion of the question about whether or not you're a citizen would disproportionately affect California, which has several large immigrant communities. Again, the complaint is not that you're an immigrant. That's not the, the the complaint is not that you came here from somewhere else. It's did you do so legally? Legally. However, 
Democrats have shown concern. They think that adding the question results, or should say reinstating the question is probably a better way to put it, uh, results in an inaccurate population count because it discourages some immigrants from filling out the questionnaire. Bob Menendez, for example, from New Jersey, used the announcement to promote a bill that he and other Senate Democrats introduced that would prohibit the census from asking about citizenship or immigration status. Now you're now it's not you can't even figure out how many people live here now. That that is now racist. That's a thing now. It's how far we've gone. This one's been making the rounds in the past 24 hours or so. Former Supreme Court Justice John Paul Stevens calling for a repeal of the Second Amendment, saying that the kids that, uh, that were marching over the weekend should be more specific about what they want and that they should want to get rid of the Second Amendment. This was an op-ed published by The New York Times. Now, he was a registered Republican when he last sat on the bench um, or when I should say he was first appointed to the bench um, by Nixon Ford Ford, I believe. Um, but that has changed. The Republican Party has changed in the past 30 or so years. Right. 40 years. Um, he. When he was last interviewed about the fact that he was a registered Republican when he sat on the bench, um, he, he said they said, are you still a Republican? Are you a Republican these days? And he he would not comment. But he did talk about how that the Second Amendment was written at a different time. And uh, it's uh, it's kind of. Anything I say right now, I'm going to get ripped apart, <laughs> even though say, I'm just trying careful, although well, all I'm trying to do is paraphrase what he said. Right. Um, which is the argument that it was written in, in a different time um, when when we needed a um, uh, a militia. We needed a, a, a man made militia. You know what I'm trying to say? Sure. Everyone can take up arms and defend ourselves. Um, he he referred to the idea that restrictions on. Semi-automatic weapons and restrictions on, or I should say strengthening background checks, would be good. I mean, that the protests that we've seen so far have focused on those things, but that the Second Amendment repeal is really the what should happen. And my question is, because he goes on and says, the support is a clear sign to lawmakers to enact legislation prohibiting civilian ownership of semi-automatic weapons, increasing the minimum age to buy a gun from 18 to 21, and establishing more comprehensive background checks on all purchasers of firearms. My question is, is that necessarily the, is repealing the Second Amendment the way to get those things done? Because he's not necessarily arguing that people should not have the right to carry weapons or to own weapons. That's not what appears in that op-ed piece. And I think people are using it for the wrong way. People are saying, you know, this uh, this former Supreme Court justice is saying that we should do away with all guns. That's not what he argued. He said that we should repeal the Second Amendment. And I wanted I read through the whole thing this morning and I didn't quite understand is he suggesting that this is even possible? It's a non-starter. It's not I mean the amazing hurdles that are in place in the Constitution to change the it amendments. It's been upheld repeatedly. It's been upheld repeatedly. Court. And to 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 repeal an amendment, you have to pass another amendment, right? You which have to is amend the constitution. Two thirds of Congress and three quarters of the states. Thirty. There's you're, there is no way 
you're going to get 38 states to agree to repeal the Second Amendment. There's no way that that happens. So I'm curious, does he think that that's the only way to make these things happen, the prohibiting semi-automatic weapons and the civilian ownership thereof, to increase the the age for guns, establishing comprehensive background checks? Maybe. It just doesn't. Maybe he thinks that that's where, if you want change, you're going to have to go because of the way that the laws are now and because of the oversaturation of guns. I don't know. It's going to be a generational change that we've talked about centuries down the line. All right. right. Um, The president is having a little trouble rounding out his legal team to defend him in the Russia collusion investigation. Oh, and he's got some uh, he's got some words about Stormy Daniels. Love that one. We'll tell you all about it when we come back. Gary and Shannon will continue a swamp watch. uncomfortable headaches vomiting stuff like that oh for the love of god my husband signed us up to climb mount whitney so i've uh, that so i've that going for me acute exposure to low amounts of oxygen at high altitudes oh boy non-specific symptoms but it can resemble a case of the flu carbon monoxide poisoning oh. can even feel like a hangover can you die um I don't know if you'd... Yes. Hmm. Pulmonary edema, perhaps. Oh, that doesn't sound good. A I don't want any edema. Edemas. Do you know when you're supposed to be going? July 28th. Oh, I'm going there right before you then. Oh. I'm going July 8th. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. This so is excellent news. What are the chances? You can I'll pack, let you know how it goes. You can pack Nick bodies back down lose, the mountain. Yeah, if I find you there. We're going to crew in a month. <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> and then Blake and I will go have to take you guys off the mountain. Are you going to uh, prepare for it? Are you going like, to climb uh, Mount Baldy or something? Yeah, I, um, Baldy, and then there's a couple other local hikes in the uh, Angeles National Forest and the San Gabriels. So. Okay. All right. Uh, yeah. I'm going to send Pammy to go rescue him if need be. She's hiked it before. She has? Are you yeah. guys going to do that weird thing where you go hiking where one of you has a 45 automatic, a 45 caliber handgun or something like that? No. Uh, no. Yeah. No. Really? Because I know a lot of people who do that. Bring guns? Sure. Yeah. I have a friend who has a boyfriend that brings guns on hikes. Like I said. I mean, but on um, that one, why would you need it? Lake. Okay. Why do you hate guns? Oh, sorry. Why do you hate America? I don't plan on Mother killing man. or being killed while I'm on the trail. I need you to talk right. to Nobody Pam. plans on it. <laughs> yeah, you need to talk. Any, any adventure you've thought of, she's probably thought of and I done. need to talk to her about Thailand and now Mount Whitney. Yeah. <laughs> uh, a couple more leading attorneys uh, have turned down an offer from the president to represent Donald Trump. Tom Buchanan, Dan Webb, a couple of partners at Winston and Strawn said that the president reached out to them to see if they'd be interested in joining his legal team. They turned down the offer. They cited some business conflicts. Uh, However, they were careful to say, listen, we do consider the opportunity to represent the president to be the highest honor. They sincerely regret that they cannot do so. Webb was one of the prosecutors uh, for you history buffs in the Iran-Contra scandal. He would have been helpful to have uh, when it comes to the parameters of a sit-down interview. Yeah. Right? Because Reagan had a bunch of conditions put on his his interview, I believe. And Buchanan was uh, five years as an assistant U.S. attorney in the 80s. So These are just the latest attorneys that have said no. Or... I, don't, I don't think that 
I mean, I, the headlines, it's been a daily occurrence, it seems like. This this latest high-profile lawyer uh, said no or turned down an offer from the president. I think part of it is because the ones that he's going for the, tend to be based in Washington, D.C. Well, and Ted Olson, like that was going to happen. Well, it, it, they all have conflicts. Yeah. So they all have the ability to blame them say, and turning it down, them not taking the offer and say, I, I wish I could, but I can't because of conflicts. But also, I mean, I think some of them do legitimately have conflicts. We have a couple Stormy Daniels addendums to get to. Great. That sounds gross, huh? <laughs> Story, Stormy Daniels' friend, Alana Evans, the one that CNN keeps running to, putting her, uh, her, her face up there. She's the one who was in Don't Worry, It's My Mother-in-Law. And Mommy and Me, Part 17 or something, whatever. God, that's disgusting. Um, Stormy Daniels told her friend Alana that she kept the dress she wore on the alleged date with Donald Trump. So, yeah. So what? I don't know if this is a Monica Lewinsky thing. And I'm not going to get into details of what that is. (laughs) I just, it's so, I don't understand what the end game is here. Like what? Uh, a great question that I saw posed by a writer was, "What's the smoking gun here? Is the smoking gun if if what we saw from sixty minutes on Sunday night was the allegation that that Stormy Daniels was threatened by someone in Vegas and that she received a payoff from the the president's lawyer? Is that the smoking gun? Because to me." Neither of those things is like a wide-eyed not, surprise. Not that... until or if the president lies under oath about paying her off and about the threat and knowing about it. Because the smoking gun is not that he had extramarital affairs. No. The smoking gun is not that he would have cheated on his wife. No. It's not that he would have had sex with porn stars and playmates. Those are not smoking guns with this guy. The president has privately told several people... Uh, what he thinks about the allegations. Oh, I love that. He has told them, according to the Washington Post, that the allegations of an affair with him are a hoax and that Stormy Daniels isn't his type. (laughs) That's perhaps the funniest part to me. I mean, he has lately been leaning towards brunettes, right? I mean, his current wife, she's a brunette. I don't think he discriminates. You don't think so? No. I mean, earlier in his career, he was going for blondes. So so maybe he's right. Maybe he has changed his tune. The uh, this story, for some reason, won't go away. And I know part of it is because people like us continue to talk about it. But it's one of the, to me, it's a question of. The only reason we continue to talk about it is because we don't understand why everyone keeps talking about it. Unless is, this is going to move into a deposition phase. It, I, what's what's the point of hearing her story with the lame details over and over? Yeah. And if someone could explain to me what is the smoking gun in this? What is the big jaw-dropping allegation in this? Because, you know, having porn stars and friends of porn stars come out and say that uh, they had uh, she had sex with him once, that doesn't surprise me. It's not a – my jaw is not on the floor with that. All right, coming back. Aaron Katursky, I'm going to take the ball away from you. No, you're not. It's my ball. <laughs> what? Where are? What is happening right now? It's not even, first of all, it's a football. We're two days away from opening day, and you're playing with a football. Nice hands. When we come back, Aaron Katursky is going to join us. We're going to talk about this strange story about a bunch of packages sent to 
military government buildings in D.C. And they've picked up a suspect in all of this. That's coming up next on The Gary and Shannon Show. Gary and Shannon, Orange County today, we're rescinding its uh, idea to put up tents to house homeless people in Irvine, Huntington Beach, and Laguna Niguel. Supervisors also voted to spend $70.5 million on services for mentally ill homeless people. So, John and Ken are going to have a whole lot more on that coming up after 2 o'clock. Bottom of this hour... Neil Saavedra is going to join us for Tasty Tuesday. We'll talk about Whiskey Day. It's also uh, some uh, Easter plans, Easter food, Passover food plans for you. All of that's coming up. One of the big stories this morning was the arrest of a man who was suspected of sending a series of suspicious packages to military bases and government sites across the country. Aaron Katerski is on the story, joins us now with the very latest. Aaron, what do we know? Well, this guy was in Everett, Washington, was known to the Secret Service and was arrested uh, either late last night or early this morning in connection with uh, these packages sent to at least five military installations plus the CIA uh, in and around Washington, D.C. The packages contained what the FBI called potential explosive devices that we know of. Only one of them actually tested positive for black powder, uh, but uh, all of them were certainly suspicious and, and caused uh, a shutdown at the at the mail processing centers where they were discovered and where they were sent, and they all traced back to this one guy in Washington State. Uh, anything in these packages that led them to believe that they were going to actually explode? Well, the, as I say, the one tested positive for black powder. Uh, another one contained kind of a rambling note from, uh, from the sender, which... Uh, was largely unintelligible. It was printed out on white paper. It made multiple references to synaptic frequency and President Trump. At one point, the note read, President Trump, businessman, we want 250 million, all you dead. Uh, What is synaptic frequency? Is that a thing? (laughs) Name of my new band. I had no idea. (laughs) Okay. I didn't know if it was just, uh, you know, baloney talk or if it was some sort of quantum physics situation. Um, yeah, it didn't, didn't ring a bell. And, um, and as I say, the note you know, was described to us as largely unintelligible. So, but the Secret Service um, previously knew about the suspect. So uh, apparently he had sent letters to the White House before. So um, maybe he has some you know, weird obsession. Maybe he tried to do something. Maybe this is a, you know, they're mindful it came after Austin. So there's all sorts of possibilities. I was reading up on the uh, the suspect here. He's had a long history of strange behavior, to say the least, but specifically mental problems that have been documented by police agencies up and down the West Coast. Uh, and and I, so I think that's probably why the Secret Service has, you know, been involved and why the FBI was able to rather quickly make an arrest. The packages themselves, you know, were all rendered safe. And, you know, other than the one, didn't contain anything harmful. So I'm not sure authorities know what this is. It could just be somebody, you know, who's got some some mental health issues uh, and and, and didn't pose a true threat. Although, you know, um, these things did cause a a brief scare at, at 
you know, the CIA and these four military installations, and that's certainly a problem. Uh, it's been several years since the anthrax scare, obviously, that ran through Washington, D.C., and took a lot of uh, the, the country by uh, or made a lot of the country fear their mail. Are there systems set up to screen mail that goes into these facilities as there are in other places around D.C.? Yeah, there are. And, um, you know, the postal inspectors, too, are trained to recognize the common characteristics of suspicious mail. So, you know, whether there was a breakdown here, no one said. I mean, all these all these packages were ultimately, you know, pulled out and, and turned over to the FBI and rendered safe. So if there was a process, it appears to have worked. Um, nonetheless, the, the couple of the military installations said they'd tighten up a bit. Aaron, I'm sorry if you if you mentioned this already, but did you say why he was on their radar before this? No, they didn't specify other than to say he had sent some letters to the White House before. But whether those were also, you know, creepy in nature or whether, you know, who knows? But something brought the brought him to the attention of the Secret Service, likely the letters that he had previously sent to uh, to the White House. Maybe those mysterious letters define what synaptic frequency means. Could be. Could be if you discover it. Missing. Let me know. Piece there. All right, Aaron, thank you so much. See you guys. Aaron Katursky there, the latest on this. Uh, these suspicious packages that were sent to these military bases throughout D.C., including the CIA. Uh, and when I found more information about this 43-year-old guy, Than Kong Fan. It seems like his synapses were not firing oh, correctly, no. No. Uh, frequently enough. He's been, um, he has a 1990 conviction for second-degree assault. He would have been... What is that, 16 years old, I think, at the time? Um, in 2011, he was taken to a hospital up in Snohomish County, which is just north of Seattle, after sheriff's deputies were called about a man who appeared to have been, been having mental problems. He starts making bizarre statements to them, probably referencing synaptic frequencies. And they take him to a hospital for a mental health evaluation, and he says, oh, by the way, I have a three fifty seven in my backpack. And he did. Second degree unlawful possession of a firearm was the charge. Uh, he actually married and has a young girl. He married in 2014, but less than two years later, his wife petitioned for a legal separation and ultimately a, a parenting plan that gives him very limited and supervised visits with his little girl. Uh, he was also involved in a high-speed chase along I-5 here in California at one point after stealing See, a car. This is, this is what people, I don't think, understand. How many chances you get in this country to regain your freedom or to keep your freedom. To get locked up, it's pretty tough. Which and is, in California, we're in such a race to let everybody out. Yeah. It's tough for it to get to that point. I'm, I, and I don't know. I mean, I think part of the problem is once these situations take place, then we can look back. And when we look back, our hindsight being 2020, we can string oh, all yeah. these things he together and say, say something. right. You know, he had a, a history with mental health problems. He had been uh, diagnosed a couple of times with whatever was going on. And he'd been in and out of the legal system as a result of his mental health problems. But I mean, thankfully, none of this. We're not talking about him because he killed anybody which I suppose is probably the best outcome, and now he can get some of the help that he's going to need um, in one of the great fine state facilities there in Washington State. Coming up, your chance to win $1,000, brought to you by Cunning Dental. Toothache? Stop. Stop ignoring it. Call Cunning Dental for a free exam, 888-640-SMILE. Gary and Shannon will continue. I need noise. I need to buzz. I've 
like devil music. You're talking about blood? We, uh... Speaking of blood... We have $1,000 we want to give away. Yeah, we do. You're shot at $1,000 now. Text the keyword cash to 200-200. You'll get a text confirming entry plus iHeartRadio info. Standard data and messaging rates apply. That's cash to 200-200. If you win... I meant because of cunning dental, the blood... Bloody gums? Yeah. Okay. If you win, they'll... They'll uh, give you a call. Might be from a number you don't recognize, and if you don't answer, they'll move on. They'll give a thousand dollars to somebody else. You got a chance next hour during the John and Ken show to win yet another thousand uh, dollars. An update on our polling when it comes to the race for governor of California. The Eyewitness News SoCal News Group poll shows that Gavin Newsom still the front runner at twenty two percent. Antonio Villaraigosa is second at 14%. The gap. Uh, and that John Cox is in third at 11%. John Chung, 9%. Travis Allen, 7%. Uh, the others, including Delaney Easton, nobody drew more than 3%. So uh, they said 21% of respondents in this poll said that they are still undecided. This is important to note. It's 1,100 adults. It doesn't say anything about whether they're registered voters or likely voters. It just says 1,100 adults interviewed statewide. Well, Orange County decided it was going to do something about the homeless mess along the Santa Ana Riverbed. And so it came up with a plan to put all these people in motels for 30 days. And then we wondered, well, what's going to happen after that? So the county uh, reconvened and decided, oh, you know, what we're going to do is we're going to pick three lucky cities here in Orange County and we're going to put 10 cities in them. Uh, Irvine, Huntington Beach and Laguna Niguel, winner, winner, winner. You all are getting a brand new 10th city. Well, the County Board of Supervisors met again this morning and there was quite the crowd waiting for them. So you look at this uh, picture and there's hundreds of people that had gathered outside. Are they just hundreds of meanies? No, I think there are hundreds of people that are trying to keep their neighborhoods safe. Andrew Mullenbeck was uh, at this meeting and was out among the hundreds of people, not meanies, who were out there. Andrew, what's going on? Hey, well, just that huge vote uh, right about uh, the time a lot of people were breaking for lunch. Hundreds of people showed up today, as you were just talking about, most of them from Irvine, but also from Laguna de Gal and Huntington Beach, uh, because it was just a week ago where the supervisors admittedly what they said. They made kind of a rash decision. They decided we're going to clear the way for shelters to go up in these communities without ever having notified the communities that this was going to happen. And then we spent the last week uh, hearing all of these uh, moments of outrage at local city councils. And finally, the, the supervisors met today and kind of said, uh, look, we goofed up. We're sorry. There was literally an apology on, on the part of one of the supervisors, and they took the whole plan back. So in the, the space of a week, we had uh, three communities in South Orange County and well, in Huntington Beach uh, thinking that, that they might have shelters. And now the county said, uh, actually, we're not going to do that. And uh, so many people uh, turned up. A lot of them never made it inside. Uh, the The whole place where the supervisors meet was at capacity. They had overflow rooms, and they were still, I would say, probably 200 people outside. Uh, but again, for the moment, uh, those shelters uh, are not going to be headed to Irvine, Laguna Beach, excuse me, Laguna Niguel and Huntington Beach. Uh, one comment kind of stuck out to me 
because uh, there were, of course, homeless advocates as well. They made up most of the early speakers. And one of the things that you hear about is regularly is we need to be humane and, and treat homeless people humanely, that sort of thing. Uh, but then uh, there was one Irvine resident who got up and said, why can't we be treated humanely, too? Why do we need hundreds of homeless people next to our schools and parks? Right. Why are and you looking kind of, out for uh, the homeless people and not for my kid? That was exactly what a lot of people were saying, particularly because, well, one, they had no heads up. And and secondly, the location, particularly the one in Irvine next to Great Park, at schools, daycares, that sort of thing right next door. And the talk was that maybe 400 people would be heading there. Uh, but now all of that has been shelved. And what happens next is a bit of a question, but everybody, when I say everybody, I'm talking about all the local city councils in Orange County, have been invited to meet with this federal judge, David Carter, next week. And they're all going to have uh, kind of another brainstorming session to say, we tried this plan, that didn't work, now what are we going to do? Uh, but for the moment, everybody uh, from those communities who thought or worried that they might have a shelter have been told it's off the table, uh, but there is another meeting coming up next week. Curious, were there any uh, possible solutions offered other than just, hey, not in my backyard? It was mostly that for today. Uh, they are talking about a mental health facility in Costa Mesa. But the, to, just today, they were really not getting into, so what are we going to do? I think they've kind of punted that uh, for a meeting next week with the federal judge. Today, the whole point of today was the, the, the one agenda item was, had the word right at the beginning, rescind. Uh, they, were, they were walking back the plan that they approved one week ago because there has been so much public backlash. And having covered a lot of these uh, since this issue has really been going on, uh, one thing that was a lot different today is almost every meeting that I've attended down here, whether with the supervisors or local city councils, the public speakers are dominated by homeless advocates. And uh, they all show up oftentimes with uh, kind of uniforms on, uh, similar colored shirts and that sort of thing. And they were here again today. What was different is there were so many people on the other side who many of many of whom have never actually showed up to one of these meetings. It was all the people who live in the neighborhoods around these proposed shelter sites. Uh, so by the end of the public comment, there were 90 speakers. The majority of them were completely against this plan. And uh, that's what supervisors heard today. Andrew, right. thank you so much. Appreciate the update. You got it, guys. Andrew Mullenbeck there live from uh, Orange County. This big meeting with the Orange County Supervisors today. Uh, coming up, Tasty Tuesday with Neil Saavedra. Gary and Shannon will continue. She literally just walked out of the room. Neil says, hey, what do you guys want to start with? And she says, M&M's. Do you have a joke? About her? She just wrote it. I mean, it's... All right, that works. <laughs> Blake, I found her. I found her. I got it. I got it. She's got got M&M's on her breath. I got it. (laughs) Okay, ready? Yeah. Hey, Blake. Yeah. (laughs) What what did the cake say to the fork? I don't know. What did the cake say to the fork? You want a piece of me? Totally worth it. Let me 
teach you how to eat. Well, our friend Neil Saavedra, I hope he lets us call him that, host of the Fork Report here on KFI, 2 to 5 Saturdays. All things food, all things drink, all things good. <laughs> yeah. That's the new slogan, yes. by the way. I'm going to rip that right out from underneath I'll you. do it for you if you want me to. All, all things good. Yes, all things get that recorded. Food. That's going to be my all new drink. All things good. Hey, let me do it clean, Blake. Let me do it clean so that he could kill the music. Ladies and gentlemen, all things food, all things drink, all things good. Or would you like a female voice? All things drink, all things food. All things good. You did it out of order. Oh. I think we got the general gist I think yours was a little late, too, Shannon. You know what? Screw you guys. One of the greatest things about I will use both. Send them to me, Blake. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Gary Gary was like, in a world. I know, right? I felt like there should be zombies in your show. In a world where a fat doughy guy talks about food. (laughs) (laughs) In his half-breed manner. One of the greatest things about being Jewish is scripted eating. And Passover begins this Friday. Scripted eating? Yes. You mean that they have to eat certain things or that they yes. have to talk about what those they things are? They have to are. talk about it. It's it's scripted eating. They tell you what each little thing means. It, yeah, lettuce, eggs, bitter herbs, mm. everything. I love it. I love it. And you know, it's great when the kids are like, oh, the bitter herb. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so food surrounds everything, and you cannot separate faith and food. And, of course, you've got Easter coming up. You've got Passover coming up. Both of them surround food. And, actually, uh, hard-boiled eggs play a part in both. Yeah. Uh, so the concept of new life, of uh, birth, both uh spiritually and physically and all those things come from the egg and so they become a very potent part of both celebrations and then people will come monday look around and go what are we going to do with all these hard-boiled eggs and then and then two weeks from now go do you guys smell something what is what is that i thought how come we we put 12 eggs out we only found 11 you know what's crazy you can you can actually make cookies with hard-boiled eggs, tell me more. Yeah, there are. You can find uh, you can find recipes online uh, for using uh, already cooked hard-boiled eggs mm. in in eggs and, uh, or in cookies and whatnot. Uh, well, what is it about the seder? I mean, we don't have to get into a whole theological discussion. Yeah, because I'm not Jewish. No, although I do play one on the radio. You what? Blake, we're going to use that later as well. We're going to use it after he goes. No, it's a joke. Yeah. Anywho, right. So what what is it? What is it about? What is it? Why are we? Why do we script our eating? What's going on? Well, you know what? The Jewish uh, feasts and festivals are are beautiful because it's always about a remembrance. It's never taking anything for granted. And uh, I've been to uh, many seder's, and a matter of fact, I was invited to one uh, this weekend. But the the beauty part of it is it's. You don't take anything for granted, and it's always taking you back to the origins of it. So you know that that, that old telephone game where you whisper in someone's mm-hmm. ear, and then by the time it gets to the end, it's something you know completely different. 
what what's beautiful to me about uh, the Jewish belief system and the way they prepare these meals and they have the narrative that goes along with it is is that you always go back to that pure that first point. No one ever goes, well, this happened, that it's, you know, often read or spoken about, talked about. And the food is it builds anticipation for the food, but also appreciation for the food and, and life and everything else. Yeah. It's a really beautiful thing. It's I a- wish we did that more. You know, non-Jews would would look at the food and see its path and where you've been and how it ties into your health and your wealth uh, more. It's hard to attach cultural meaning to a bowl of Fruit Loops. I mean, there's just no story to tell necessarily, unless you're a toucan. Yeah, but it, I mean, the case of Passover. It, expl- I mean, just as an example, uh, the breaking of the middle matzah. Uh, one half is put back with the stack. The other half is placed in a napkin and designated the afikoman and put aside, which is the dessert. Traditional in some homes to hide the afikoman now for the children to find it before it's eaten after the meal or for the kids to steal the afikoman. Don't you love a little Christian splaining? Ransom. Jew, yeah. Jewish. Actually. Yeah. Well, none of us. But you're no, not but Jewish. She's saying, oh, I see what you're It's I like mansplaining. Right. God. Yeah. That I know. have no idea what I'm saying. Like the, like the three goys in the room <laughs> yeah. are sitting there yeah. going, Oi, Oi yeah. let me tell you about something. This, no no role here. No this lay. is a bit, yeah. But, just, but the story, there arose in Egypt a pharaoh who knew not of the good deeds that Joseph had done for that country. Thus he enslaved the Jews and made their lives harsh through servitude and humiliation. That They, they constantly are reminded of, of history and the They past start and, at the beginning and they walk you through. How long yeah. does it take, Seder? You know, it depends if if you've ever, if you've ever been to the Handel household. <laughs> Bill, Bill goes through it. He goes through it so quickly, and and then Marjorie will lean over and go, "It's not normally this fast," or you know, more. It's there's really lovely part, and it's like I get the difference between Handel in his a raccoon tail yarmulke mm-hmm. versus you know normal humans. Well, right. with normal humans, how long does it take? Uh, it could be lengthy. I don't know. It could be you know, a couple it, hours. Well, no, but it's the length of the meal is your. Right. There's several yeah. different yeah. courses and different stories. Yeah, for if you're pacing time. yourself properly. You're going for a length of a nice, normal sit down meal. It's, oh, OK. It's not meant yeah. to give you cramps as yeah. you're eating it. But you do. But you, it, you're also not supposed to get bored. This, the, but the Seder plate, you're not necessarily eating off of. They represent things um, and oh, understanding, see. but you're not. Okay. It's there. There's a, another meal that's there going on. They're there for a purpose yeah. uh, for the story, and then you're eating other things. It's like a show and tell. Got it. Yeah, people that's are throwing cool. back the bitters going, yeah, this is the bitter herb. This is great. Uh, is this? A, it was some people do. The goys will reach in and think, mm, th- these appetizers are <laughs> a little rough. It's funny. <laughs> yeah. Um, but right, but to, it, to, to show the different um, times of turn, turmoil or uh, trials, and it, it really is a beautiful thing. That being said, matzo ball soup can really be good. Matzo ball soup is wonderful. I would like to, in that vein, talk to you about whiskey. What? Did we just take a hard left or <laughs> a hard vein? right? I mean, is when that... we come back. Oh, okay. Yeah, I we'll was... take a little break. I um, just and... thought it was everything in, in your vein was... Okay. Going to no, booze. you said it's wonderful, and I said in that vein, whiskey is wonderful, and it is uh, when it's in your vein. International Whiskey Day. Gary's a big whiskey guy. Do you see him twitching over there? That's because he gave up whiskey for Lent. What? And we're right at the end You're of the, the race here. I, I know. He he just. I know. It's it's something special. It's one of his idiosyncrasies. Well, capitalize on it. Huh? Oh. 
Gary and Shannon will continue with Neil Savager, the forecast. I forgot to give up something for Lent this year. So Monica I'm Ricks. kind of living through him. I mean, I don't like the show. It just means I don't have a sticker on my head. Hold her eyes. Wow. Apparently late in the show, this one gets a little on rate. Gary and Shannon, Neil Saavedra has joined us, our fourth reporter. Don't call our guest honorary. Nope. Looking at you, lady. Looking. We both are. At you. Uh, It is International Whiskey Day. Uh, So use the hashtag Whiskey Day. Anytime you're going to put anything on social media today to show people uh, that you know how to spell whiskey. Are you going to have a belt today? No. I have no alcohol for Lent. Oh, crap. None at all? None at all. I feel like Jesus would be cool with you having a little whiskey for International Whiskey Day. Kind of a a way of, of showing that you are a global citizen. I've talked... With the Jesus, and I've said, listen, if there's a day, he said maybe opening day, so maybe Thursday I can have a beer. Okay, but doesn't sound I'm like that the Jesus I know. <laughs> the Jesus I know. Sunday. The Jesus that I know in my heart would let you have the whiskey for today, and then the beer for opening day on Thursday. Wow, the generous oh, savior, isn't strange. he? Strange. The Jesus I know would actually call upon one of his friends and maybe even his partner in crime on the air to, in sympathy, uh, not drink as well on those days. That's not my Jesus. No. So. Yeah, you find your Jesus at the bottom of a bottle, is my guess. Wow. What do we do? How do we celebrate International Whiskey Day? What should we well, do? Well, not you? me. Not me. I'm just for saying. you, tears. Yeah. <laughs> for you, just crying and some Hagen dazs Three minute plank. <laughs> Licking the spoon. Uh, for the rest of us, woohoo! A little bit of Rittenhouse rye, and uh, I'll put together a nice little old fashioned post uh, prohibition. Of course. Oh, yeah. You don't want any of that weird garbage mashed at the bottom do you know i had an old-fashioned one time uh that came out and it was frothy and i said was this shaken and they're like yes and i said oh please take a picture oh you're gonna <laughs> you're gonna have Give to try sh- again yeah uh, sh- yeah bring the stuff over here i'll get i'll oh, take care of it bless your heart <laughs> yeah. look at you trying Aww. good for you at a, at a really nice restaurant actually that should have known better well, um, Gary, you had you were with somebody who sent back a Manhattan not that long ago. I was? Yeah, you said that you were with somebody and he ordered a double Manhattan. Oh, yes. Yeah. And uh, the, the waiter the brings problem? it out and uh, he takes a sip of it and he goes, uh, yeah, this isn't a double. This isn't a double. You're going to need more liquor. <laughs> That's basically what he said. Oh, they he went back like, and they gave him a bigger one. You know, see, a lot of people don't know that if you're pouring properly you're, you're looking at two ounces maybe three tops yeah so it's if you're it, 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 you, that's not a double that's a lean on it <laughs> put some elbow in i it. think he was looking for some i think he was looking for a leg on it yeah if you if, if, if you lean on it then that's going to be something different but uh with uh 
International Whiskey Day, and I'm constantly learning more and more about whiskey. There's so many, so many knowledgeable people out there. Uh, one of my favorite uh, people uh, that talks about whiskey, by the way, and I'll give a shout out to my friends at Vom Foss in Claremont, uh, Kim People, Peoples rather, over there at Vom Foss in Claremont. She's awesome. I love. She's my whiskey guru. I go to her. They have great whiskeys there, but I go to her uh, for questions all the time, and she's incredibly knowledgeable. So if you're out in that area uh, near the village in Claremont, stop uh, by. Some people are, are uh, intimidated, perhaps, by, by whiskeys. Of course. Because, anything that you're supposed to know about. Yeah. Um, and, and I've seen, I know people who have gone to, um, to Scotland and Ireland specifically for tours uh, and spent a couple of weeks there and will bring some back and taste it. And, and the a lot of people don't get into it far enough to know the differences between different whiskeys and how to taste where it even came from. I mean, you can narrow down geography based on the taste and the ingredients thereof. So, um, yeah. And the way it starts out and how, you know, there's, so you're going to Scottish or Irish, you're going to get like heavy peaty kind of smoky finishes. And, uh, once you get a couple of them in front of you and you do a flight or you do a tasting, you really start to notice them, but yeah, if you're going to throw back a little bit here or throw back a little bit there, you, it's unless you're you've got a great palate and there's somebody I know people like I said that are just really good at at distinguishing the the subtle differences. Um, but if you're doing a flight, it's a great way you're getting a, a a little shot or a little sip, sometimes just a dram, which is an eighth of an ounce, just a taste to go through, and you can start seeing why they're different. And some of them, they they finish on the sides of your tongue and give kind of a peppery finish. Some of them are super uh, caramelly and uh, have a little sweeter side to them. Others finish with that peatiness, that kind of smoky peatiness at the end. And it just depends what you're into. But there were some that I started with where I was like, man, that tastes like a, a burning tire. Mm-hmm. And they were <laughs> high end. And as I've had more and consume more and learn more, I start liking and seeing the subtleties of them rather than just that really harsh pow welcome welcome to whiskey you just you just had whiskey, son, and now there's a fire in your stomach yeah you're probably gonna die sooner <laughs> uh, but there is uh, something magical about whiskey that it it really doesn't it doesn't mess around with being alcohol it's like hi, I'm alcohol right good to meet you. Yeah. And there's something really nice in that really boozy, forward, uh, but flavorful alcohol that makes for a great. Uh, oh, Kim! Kim Peoples just texted me. Ah, oh, my pleasure. She is wonderful. <laughs> I love Kim. She really is a treat. Uh, when you get people that know so much about these things, uh, you walk down and you learn so many different things about the process of them being made, the ingredients that make them special. What is the difference between a Tennessee whiskey and a and a, a like Kentucky yes, bourbon, or yeah, Scotch or yeah. A bourbon, and a, and things like that? I think just the, the, just the simple. Uh, exercise of asking questions of wherever it is that you're going to go and buy. I mean, outside of a supermarket, which probably wouldn't have a whole lot of people, but, you know, you go to a a specific liquor store or a higher-end place, they're going to be able to answer some of the questions uh, that that you might have about that. Yeah, and if you're looking for um, a a great – there's not many of them here in the Southland. There's only seven of them. But if you're looking for a great uh, market with liquor, uh, Super King, Super King, they have a – fabulous liquor department 
with really high-end stuff, but fantastic prices. And they do have uh, knowledgeable staff, if you have any questions. Neil Saavedra, you hear him Saturdays on the Fork Report, 2 to 5, right here on KFI. John and Ken, come up to have a drink. Hey, oh, oh, and very quickly, I will be broadcasting live from Knott's Berry Farm this Saturday, which is why my beard is boysenberry purple now. Got it. uh, As I broadcast from the boysenberry festival this Saturday. So come on out. That's awesome. Bill Handel's going to be out there with me as well. It'll be good fun. Uh, John and Ken, up next. We'll see you tomorrow. Stay dry, everybody. Tune in next week for the hilarious funeral episode on Gary and Shannon.